Hi, and welcome to Comchurch Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray that it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk that you're about to hear. Morning, and Happy New Year to you all. In the days before we had digital technology, um, if you were making film or making music, you had to literally cut the tape and, and take out any bits that you didn't want or add in any bits that you wanted and kind of splice it all together. And all those bits that were left over on the floor, were, we, we called that the cutting room floor. So it's the, it's the bits that, that weren't needed. It's the bits of the original work that, that were left behind. I spoke to someone this morning. She said, oh, what are you speaking on, Sarah? I said, oh, I'm speaking on the cutting room floor. She said, oh, brilliant, hairdressing. Went, oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not speaking about, about cutting hair. Um, so this is the, we're going to be talking about the, the deleted scenes. Um, it's one of my favourite things. I know I'm a saddo, but when I get a DVD, I like to watch the outtakes. I like to watch all the deleted scenes. And, and sometimes I watch and I think, how on earth did it get to this stage of making before you realise what a rubbish scene that actually was? Um, I've got one of the, a scene to show you. This is a scene from Toy Story that didn't make the final cut and may well have changed the story for us. Have a little watch of this. Toy Story. Lee Uncrich moved from editor of Toy Story to director of Toy Story 3 because of his keen eye for storytelling. One example of this came from his choice to delete a scene of Sid torturing Buzz and Woody at his home in the original film. He felt the audience would be too fond of the main characters and wouldn't want to see them tortured, so he cut the torture and went straight to the interrogation. Where are your rebel friends now? Smart move, Uncrich. You made many of us cry in Toy Story 3 when we thought our beloved characters were doomed. You know, there's some scenes that you just think, oh, I'm so glad that that didn't, didn't make the final cut. Um, originally, Elsa in Frozen was going to be a baddie. And uh, the, the producer and director went, hang on a minute, we've got a money-making thing here if we keep her as a goodie. So, so it, it would have completely changed. A definition I really like of the cutting room floor, which is where I'm aiming today with, is this. It says, not included in the finalised version deliberately rejected. And I thought, you know, it's the first Sunday of our year and we can use this time to deliberately reject those bits of our lives that, that shouldn't make the cut this year. The bits of 2017 or our past that don't need to be in the final cut of our lives. Has anyone here made a New Year's resolution? Just out of interest, any New Year's resolution? We've got a few people going, I don't want to share, please don't come and talk to me because it's about losing weight or it's about stopping smoking or drinking less alcohol or exercise. They're the, the top four this year. Um, loads of people have, um, have made resolutions, haven't they? And uh, in my Slimming World, we had a huge amount of people joining this week and gyms across the country are full and gym memberships are up, aren't they? And of course, maybe by the end of February, they'll be right back down again. But we use this time in January to go, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to be a better person. I'm, I'm going to take care of me once in a while. And, and January is also a time when we often look back and, 
uh, and we look back at the, the, a few of the good bits and we go, yeah, I did all right. Because we skim over the stupid stuff, don't we? We're like, I don't want to remember that. And we'll just look at, at some of the good things. Uh, and we go, yeah, I'm on the right track. But of course, these resolutions that we make, we know we're not going to keep. And we, we fool ourselves that we're going to keep these resolutions. But the truth is that if we don't think about making real resolutions, God resolutions, we won't get that significant new start that we really need for our lives. And to move on, we need to work out what needs to remain on the cutting room floor before we can, we can get there. And it has to do with some remembering and some forgetting. Being a Christian calls us to, to look back and remember some of the most tragic stories that we find in the Bible are where nations forgot, and they forgot who they were and whose they were. When the prophets of Israel spoke, they nearly always began by looking back. For example, Deuteronomy 15, verse 15. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God has redeemed you. Passover for the Jews, this is an annual reminder of how God saved them. He He redeemed them from slavery. But it's not just about the power of God. This is a warning to stay out of Egypt, to not let it happen again. Remember how terrible it was. And remembering is essential to stop us making the stupid mistakes that we can make. Um, The Spanish-born philosopher and critic George Santayana said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. We need to remember how far we've come. You know, we, we mess up, we mess up, we fail. But it's essential to see that, that God is not limited by our failures. He's in the habit of making all things new, of forgiving and helping us to move on, if only we'll let him. When Ezekiel spoke of the path to renewal for, for Israel, he was painfully specific about what should be remembered. He said this, Then you shall remember your evil ways and your dealings that were not good, and you shall loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominable deeds. Oh, oh, that's a bit harsh. Let's skim over that one, Sarah. A bit nicer one in uh, Revelation. Revelation 2, verse 5, says this. It's it's the same message. It's, It's as specific, but a little bit more gentle. Remember then from what you have fallen repent and do the works you did at first. Being willing to look at our shameful past isn't easy, but it is essential in the healing process and it is essential for building a better future. There have been lots of organisations recently on the news, haven't there, who've had to come out and say, we're sorry. We're sorry for what we've done. We're sorry for the work that our predecessors did, our forefathers did. I'm thinking about the people that denied the Holocaust and and the treatment of black people in in recent months where we've had people apologising. And if we can remember from what we've fallen, we're more able to go and to leave the rubbish behind on that cutting room floor. I love it when we we sing the old songs. And uh, if ever I lead worship, and I I never will, but if ever I was asked, you're going to do some 90s classics with me because it takes me back to 1995 when I gave my life to Jesus. And it's not that I want to stay there, but I remember how my heart was then. 
I remember the love I had for God. And, and sometimes we need to remember. And some of you are going to be called to get back to your first love. Those of you who are getting, you've come to church this morning because it's a chore. And it's just Sunday, isn't it? It's what we do. We need to get back to our first love. Remember why we're actually here. There are people in your life in 2017 who you forgot, maybe the years before as well. And, and God's reminding you of those people because you may have been too busy for them, but he wasn't. And he's, he's bringing to your mind, he's going to bring to your mind people that need to make your 2018. Those people that, that you've just, just forgotten. And, and some of you are going, oh gosh, I remember them. Why didn't I contact those people? You know, Jesus, he, he, he taught us to go back for the one. Many relationships have become toxic, and I, I know that, and they're left behind for the right reasons, but there are some people that you've actually forgotten and that you've lo- overlooked. You see, we, we do need to do some forgetting, but some important forgetting. This is the, the editing suite. This is the bit where we're going to cut out the junk, the rubbishy bits from our lives. In Philippians 3, verse 12 to 13, it says, I have not yet reached my goal, and I'm not perfect. But Christ has taken hold of me, so I keep on running and struggling to take hold of the prize. My friends, I don't feel that I have already arrived, but I forget what is behind, and I struggle for what is ahead. Is anyone else here getting a bit forgetful in their old age, or just naturally forgetful? (laughs) I'm glad there's a few people with me. I hope my husband, see, husband's not even concentrating. He should have his hand right up in the air. The number of times I'm like, oh, there we go. Thank you, darling. Number of times, I'm like, did you get that thing, Rob? Oh, no. Did you call that person? Oh, no. And I've nagged, I'm sorry, I've I've talked to Rob for years about his... um, his forgetful habits. And the trouble is, as I'm getting older, I'm getting a bit more forgetful myself. Anyone else do this? I can walk into a room and I can open a cupboard and I'll go, what on earth am I here for? I'm looking at every single thing in the cupboard. I have no idea why I'm here. Close cupboard. Go back, go back. Oh yeah. It's happening to me all the time. I'm mid-teaching at school and I have to say to the kids, what was I just saying? Oh, it's awful. And, and forgetting stuff can be really stressful, can't it? Um, really stressful. And, and, and you, you feel all out of focus. But forgetting and our obvious capacity to forget isn't always a negative thing. You see, some things should be forgotten so that we can move on without the unnecessary baggage, the negative memories. In Isaiah 43, verse 18, the Lord says, Forget about what has happened before. Do not think about the past. Instead, look at the new thing I'm going to do. Listen to what God's saying in this verse. Forget about what's happened before. He says, you don't need to think about it. It's over. 2017, the book's closed. It's over. You can forget it. That verse, this was when Israel was being punished for their sins and their rebellion. But God wanted to give them hope, to say, I've not forgotten you. I've not forsaken you. He wanted to give them that fresh start. You know, if you've got a negative feeling or, or an attitude that is hurting you, or it's hurting someone you love, it is good to intentionally toss that into the bin, 
into the wastebasket of forgetfulness. And it's not easy. Some of you this morning, you're hurting. And the Lord knows your hurt and he knows your pain and he's collected your tears. But he needs needs you to know that you've got to forgive and you've got to let it go so that you can move on. You know, some of us have been in toxic friendships and, and toxic relationships. You've been with people that have, have made you do stupid things and made you feel bad. You're constantly being hurt or let down or feeling depressed or anxious. And God's reminding you, leave it behind on the cutting room floor. It's poisonous. And many of those people may well have called themselves Christian. And the wounds of a brother hurt more than any other, don't they? But if there is someone who's constantly bringing you down, maybe God's letting you know that that relationship, that relationship's toxic now. You see, if we don't, then we can get bitter and resentful. And it can lead to all kinds of other issues. Even in churches, we find broken relationships. People refusing to speak to others seeking revenge or even rejoicing in someone else's heartache. That behavior shouldn't be in the church. We often find that behavior in in broken relationships, in divorces, where where you've got one side trying to take the children or trying to build resentment and and telling stories about the other side. That's not for the church. That's for the cutting room floor. You see, the longer we allow anger and ill will to persist, the deeper it becomes entwined. And the person most hurt is usually us. That's a good example of why Paul said to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 4, 26, be angry, yeah, but don't let the sun go down on your anger. We've got to to leave it behind. We've got to leave our issues at the cross, take them to Jesus and leave them there. Because it's very tempting, isn't it, to leave our... I'm going to leave my burden at the cross. Yes, Lord. Do you know what they said to me? I'll tell you what they said to me. (coughs) Carry this burden again. And, oh, no, I need to leave it at the cross. Did he? Well, let me tell you something that he did to me. And we go back and we we pick up our burdens. And we've got to leave it. We've got to leave it behind at the cross. We've got to not pick it back up again, as tempting as that is, especially for us girls. You know what I'm talking about, girls. Um, You see, you may have to leave behind a past, a, a horrendous past, bad childhood experiences. Maybe you've not been loved by your parents or... You've had a a bad marriage and divorce or addiction or gambling or alcohol or financial problems or depression. There's a massive list I I could say. But your today and your tomorrow don't have to look like that anymore. You are not defined by your past. I need to say it again to some of you. You are not defined by your past. Any label that has been put on you, you are not defined by your past. If you're able to literally forget, oh, it's such a blessing. But we need to intentionally refuse to replay that harmful incident or that that hurt to ourselves and replaying it to others. That's when we'll get our healing. Emotional wounds will heal if only we don't pick at that scab. 
you know, the, the, it, it's going to heal, and it's a bit itchy, isn't it, at first, if you, if you get, um, if you, you're hurt, and it scabs over, and it's tempting to, to give it a, a good scratch, but that if you want real emotional healing, we don't go and pick at that scab, we don't go back, because you open up the wound, and you have to start the process all over again, you know, we reopen the wounds when we say to others, what he did to me, or what she did. We, we were just reopening those wounds again. Because women, we don't like to forget anything. Yes. If we ask you a question, we probably already know the answer. <laughs> oh, yes. We just want you to admit it, guys. You know, I would much rather deal with boys and the way that they break up um, you know, at school. If, um, if they have an argument, boys, they have a little bit, bit of a punch out. I'm not advocating violence, people. But if they have a, a fight, they have a little punch out and it's over and they shake hands and they, off they go. Oh, girls. Oh. Well, in year three, she did that. <gasps> yeah, but in year two, she did that. And they rake up the past. You know, if you offend us women, we're going to tell you what you did in 2004. Girls, I'm saying this because I'm one of you. We've got to learn to forgive and forget and leave it, leave it behind on the cutting room floor and and not to rake up that past again. We've got to make the effort to forgive and to bless those who've offended us. And it's hard, isn't it? Because we love to hate and we love to seek revenge. We've got to forgive and forget. And it's not easy. But it is our decision to let go of our regrets and our right to punish that person and our right to get justice and to leave it to God, who is the righteous judge. Let him deal with them. And we've got to be merciful and gracious, just like he is to us. We also got to work out some of the things that harm us, not just other people, but there are stupid things we do, sins that, that stop us being fruitful and stop us being that person that God's called us to be. In Hebrews 12 verse 1, it says, So we must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially the sin that just won't let go. And we must be determined to run the race that is ahead of us, Doing things that go against what God wants for us take us far away from where we should be. And not everything that seems good is actually good for us. We've, we've, we've got to be discerned now to know what is, what is good and, and from God. You know, sometimes new beginnings are forced upon us. And, and some of you had horrific 2017s. Some of you had job loss. Some of you went through friendship breakdowns, through relationship breakdowns. Some of you have lost people and you've gone through bereavement. Or you've had financial issues that have have just given you setbacks leading to other problems. Beginning isn't easy, but it is possible and it is necessary. New beginnings, they will bring about joy in the morning, but we've got to go through the dark night first of all you know, if you've seen a, a drug addict or an alcoholic coming off that thing that they're addicted to it's horrible and it's scary and they're frightened for their lives when they go cold turkey but it is necessary that dark bit 
to have freedom from their addiction. You know, leaving things on, on the cutting room floor is tricky, all right? I'm not going not gonna to lie to you. We've got to realise that sometimes old sins and old habits come back and sometimes they're disguised and we don't even realise that we've stuck right back into it again because it's come in through another disguise. And sometimes you've got to begin again and again and again and it can get disheartening. Going, oh, I'm stuck in this sin again. I'm stuck in a rut again or in this friendship. Don't despair. Any new beginning is worth our time and our effort. It can be daunting. It can be unnerving, not knowing what the future has in store. You might feel like you need to be in control. And so when you let go, it can be really tough. Sometimes it feels like we do life on a trapeze, doesn't it? got a lovely quote I'd like to read to you from the Essene Book of Days and um, I hope it makes sense to you. I read it and was like, this is my life. I hope this is good for you. Sometimes I feel that my life is a series of trapeze swings. I'm either hanging onto a trapeze bar, swinging along, or for a few moments in my life, I'm hurtling across space in between trapeze bars. Most of the time, I spend my life hanging on for dear life to my trapeze bar of the moment. But once in a while, as I'm merrily, or not so merrily, swinging along, I look ahead of me, and into the distance, what do I see? I see another trapeze bar swinging towards me. In my heart of hearts, I know that for me to grow, I must release my grip on the present, this well-known bar, and move to the new one. And each time I'm filled with terror and it doesn't matter that in all of my previous hurtles across the void of unknowing, I've always made it. Each time I'm afraid I will miss, that I will be crushed on the unseen rocks in the bottomless chasm between the bars, but I do it anyway. And so for an eternity that can last a microsecond or a thousand lifetimes, I soar across the dark void of the past is gone, the future is not yet here. It's called transition. I've come to believe that it's the only place that real change occurs. And some of you are feeling that now, and you've got, you're on your trapeze, and you know you've got to let go before you can get the next one, because there's part of the letting go before we can grab the new one. But we've got to let go of some of those things in our lives that cause us harm. But it's here that God can work. In between the trapeze bars, there's the faith. True change comes from the inside. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 19, it says, anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. The past is forgotten and everything is new. God has done it all. He sent Christ to make peace between himself and us. And he's given us the work of making peace between himself and others. There are always things that will hold us back from making that leap of change. But God is in the habit of making all things new. And you may have accusers in your life. And you may have stone throwers in your life. And you feel like you just want to run away. But God's message to you, just like the woman caught in adultery, he wants to say to you, you are no longer condemned. 
you may long to hear those words. And he's saying them to you. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins to God, he can always be trusted to forgive us and take our sins away. You can start again. You can ask for forgiveness. And it's as if God has wiped the slate completely clean. The angry leaders, they spoke a verdict over that woman and they said guilty. But Jesus speaks over your life. He says, freedom, you are free. And you might, you might be feeling completely unworthy, completely unworthy, maybe inadequate. And in 1 Peter 2.9, we're reminded, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You know, when God touches your life, you'll never be the same again. If you have never had a a touch from God, let him speak to you this morning. Let him him touch you. There's a a lovely story I want to finish with, and it's in the the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 4. And um, this is about King David. And um, King David wanted, he'd been king for some time, and, and he felt he wanted to, um, to bless anyone left in Saul's family. And he finds Saul's grandson, Mephibosheth, and he finds that he's still alive. He's the son of Jonathan, David's best friend. And David learns that Mephibosheth is lame in both his feet. It tells us in 2 Samuel 4, 4, that his nurse picked him up and fled, but as she hurried to leave, he fell and became crippled. Well, David orders that Mephibosheth is, is sent to, to the palace. He's to come to the palace. And when Mephibosheth arrives, he, he bows down, feeling unworthy before the king. And David says to him, don't be afraid. I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth couldn't believe it. What is your servant? You would notice a dead dog like me. Mephibosheth felt unwanted. He felt that he wasn't important. But David kept his promise, and he restored to him. And, uh, and he was able to come and live in the palace, not just him. It tells later on um, in verses 9 to 13 that all of his household could come. And, and Ziba, the um, sole servant, had 15 sons and 20 servants. So all of them came as well. It wasn't just Mephibosheth who would have this new life. Such a beautiful picture of divine grace. This lovely, this little boy, this crippled boy, felt unworthy, felt helpless, and he got to eat with the king. Such an amazing picture of of grace, of undeserved mercy and love and favour. Way beyond um, David's call of duty as well. The king would have had no requirement whatsoever to take care of Mephibosheth, but David was touched by his condition and reached out to him in grace. God wants to know you, despite your weaknesses, despite your shortcomings. He doesn't give us what our sins deserve, but he wants to lavish his favour on you this morning. You are able to visit the palace. You can eat at the king's table. 
is a lovely song. Just one touch from the king changes everything. So on this first Sunday of the year, we're going to go into our editing suites. And we're going to start to cut out the, the things that don't belong in the final cut of our lives. The things that have stopped you being fruitful. The things that have taken you away from God. There are people, there are things that you're going to need to add in. But there are events, there are sins that are not going to make it into the finished cut of 2018. Ask God to reveal them to you. The things that we need to give up, the people we need to forgive, the things we need to forget, the bits to cut, the bits to leave out on the cutting room floor because your 2018 is calling you. Amen. Hello. Oh. <laughs> We're going to go into some worship, but um, if you need prayer, if you want us to stand with you, if you want us to, to pray, if you, if you are feeling that, the hurt, if you need to forgive, if you want to know Jesus, if you want to, to ask for forgiveness from God, we'll happily pray for you this morning. Don't let this time go by. If you need to just stay in your seats and and do it on your own, you can. But if you, if you want any of us to pray for you, then, then let us. Thanks for listening to Comchurch Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless. God bless.